the conqueror. No, I'm Alexander. He's no Alexander. I'm the best ever. There's never been anybody exclusive. I'm Sonny Liston. I'm Jack Dempsey. There's no one like me. I'm from their club. There's no one that can match me. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat your children. It was just banter. Stay off the weed. And England win on penalties. History in itself. You know, I think it's a great city. I think they got the best organization in the NBA. But they do have some big old wins. I'm here with the winner, Derek Lewis. Derek, why don't you take your pants off? Balls are fun. I understand. Come on, take it quickly, Reggie! Yes, good match. No money's in the fucking reserves. Listen, I ain't gonna forget about this by the time we get the away. Hello and welcome to episode 249 of the spitballing pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Tom Kennett and Jack Harper. Alex Jones is back this week, uh, blessing us with some of his time, which uh, we do struggle to get these days. We've got <laughs> the Premier League fixtures to get into. We have uh, AJ versus Usyk to get into. We have UFC 266 to get into. So there is uh, lots on the agenda. As always, we'll start with news of the week. Um, not in person this week if uh, things sound a bit different. So uh, there's that. But we went with uh, more people rather than uh, slightly crisper sound quality. So Quantity over quality, you said to me earlier. What was that, sorry? Quantity over quality, you said to me earlier. Was that supposed to be yeah, private? Probably fair. won't say uh, who it could be referring to you. Yeah, yeah, look. You throw me out Double the band. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, news of the week. Not as many headlines, but a lot but a lot has happened. So uh, I'll uh, take you through it. As was always going to happen, the designer who made Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's Tax the Rich dress owes $130,000 in back taxes. <laughs> Nailed on. I thought they would have squared that off before oh, yeah. not taking the job. Um <laughs> COVID patient impersonates doctor and discharges all of the inpatients. This was in America, if uh, if you need a clarification there. Uh, meat vending machines serves raw cuts, late night and late night snacks in Florida. So if you want some uh, gabagool after watching uh, the Sopranos film, Florida is the place to be. I think Florida is always the place to be, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Except when there's a hurricane. Lab-grown woolly mammoths could walk the earth in six years if geneticist new startup succeeds. We've said it before, said again. Has no one ever learned? (laughs) Apparently not. Um, Although a Jurassic Park film based on mammoths would be very tame, you feel. Yeah. Employee's rotting finger found inside half-eaten burger sparks controversy in Bolivia. How badly does your finger have to be rotting that it can be found in someone's burger? That nipple on the McDonald's bacon <laughs> roll now sounds a lot more appetising. Imagine nipple. the crunch. 
crunch well, like, into it. How does the person not read? Do they look down and suddenly half their fingers missing? I, I don't know that the person is. I don't think that's the key part of the story. Do I don't. I don't think the person just suddenly realises they got a finger missing. I don't know. I think it's probably Eagle. a dead guy whose finger's been put in a burger. Employees dropped him. Okay, I was. The fact that he was an employee, I took that as like they're on the job in the middle of the shift. The whole shift. Yeah, like they're on the job. I don't Unless. know. I just think the rotting thing made me think he's been gone a while. Uh, Kentucky man accused of firing shots out of his hotel window says he was shooting at aliens. <laughs> Robbery suspect tries to get away from police, gets tired, and gives up. That'll be you. No, because I've wondered this before. Um, like, say someone's <laughs> trying to kidnap you. Um, I don't think they're going to be trying me these days. But when they say, like, you have this, like, extra burst of speed with your adrenaline and that, and I've always wondered at what point, like, do you get tired? Like, when you're just so knackered, you have to stop and just these men bundle you into their van. Um, in this case, I guess maybe it wasn't worth it. I've, I think I've said on here before, one of our Christmas episodes, um, my uh, uncle that used to work in the uh, place that rhymes with Schmoop, uh <laughs> At Christmas, someone tried stealing a turkey and uh, he kind of chased down after them, not particularly fast, but more just being on their case. And eventually uh, they just chucked the turkey back at him and said, if you want it so much, fucking have it. And then, uh, <laughs> and then went back on their way. Do you put that back on the shelf, do you reckon? Is that what I don't think so. He actually got in trouble because you're not supposed to go after people. So no, he's, not, he's not a, even a thank you. An act of heroism like that, and he doesn't. Yeah. Makes for a very disappointing film chase, though, doesn't it? If the cardio, <laughs> cardio just jacks it. Oh, all right. Um, yeah, because there's one in Point Break, isn't there? That's like the longest chase ever, where he's just running and running and running. <laughs> if uh, just five seconds into that, it just got, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm okay, thank you. DC man wins job back after post-chicken wing diarrhea was mistaken for COVID symptoms. <laughs> We've all been there. <laughs> How often would you have thought you had COVID? <laughs> in that case? I don't like chicken on the bone. <laughs> yeah, that's true, you don't. Brazil striker Hulk announces niece is pregnant with his child in social media post. Like, why would you announce it? <laughs> I'm assuming he didn't use the term niece. <laughs> so supposedly, it's not technically. It, it's like a niece by marriage, which well, yeah, he's using it. as the get out. But that is, isn't it? Ultimately, they're not. They're not related. It's just very, very odd. Yeah. Well, we thought it was bad when Alex said it was his third cousin, but this is actually not as bad in theory. Neither are great. <laughs> what? <laughs> don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We'll carry on. Um, <laughs> don't even, don't even drag my name for the mud. Don't even no, do didn't, it. You didn't hear. We didn't say anything. Um, <laughs> man now pees and ejaculates from his anus because of a simple procedure. Don't know what the procedure is. So but... <laughs> does he still? He still shags with his. No, I'm assuming. He just I, I don't know if that. he has one. He can't. Don't surely. read past the headline. It, it would be very odd if he's optionally done this. You know what? I'm sick of it coming, sick of it coming out the front. We'll go out the back, I think. 
nearly 70% of millionaires are worried about leaving too much money for their kids, survey finds. <laughs> nice problem to have. Yeah, what a lovely problem. I know a humble podcast that will help you with those problems yeah. if you want. Um, the, the worst headline of the week. Um, a 15-year-old boy gets the USB cable stuck inside his member trying to measure his length. Oh, oh my God. It's actually a USB stick. I don't know why I said USB cable. Yeah. Doesn't he die as well? I'm sure he's. No, 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 he no, didn't. He um, now just pisses and ejaculates out his ass. Well, so <laughs> I, I did see. <laughs> that's, the sim- that's the simple procedure. <laughs> I did see um, this. Like this wasn't when I was looking for the headlines. I saw this uh, on Twitter. And this is the time to cross your legs and close your ears if uh, you, you don't want to hear this. But oh, well, someone having a snack while they hear this. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? Someone having a... AJ just munched on some popcorn whilst he hears this story. Someone what? definitely what, is. What, what are you on about? We can hear someone eating, scrunching away at some like, crisp packet or something. Um, I wish I could have something to eat right now. Or maybe not about to. But anyway, this... Uh, they had to like use a laser to slice yeah. away some of the inside of his... Uh, penis because they they literally couldn't get it out um so they had to cut a wide uh, berth to be able to pull it out properly um, oh and then God. it broke into two while they were trying to do it um they say essentially he's going to be fine but um he had to have a cuff to put in for two weeks um yeah when they asked him in the hospital why um he said he wanted to know if his dick was bigger than a USB stick. I mean, but why did it have to go with it? I, I don't know. could have just been put Because they quite literally say, like, it wasn't just... This is a weird conversation to have. He didn't just kind of tuck it, like, inside his foreskin. Like, he went yeah. down his... He went right. all the way in. Yeah, he went down his... Read the headline. This is one not to read past the headline. I mean... This is one where it is quite a good story for the podcast, regardless of how horrific it is. <laughs> um, but they say when he went in, uh, he had to sign a form. Uh, they asked if he wanted his mum with him. Uh, surprisingly, he said he'd rather his mum didn't know about this. Um, <laughs> and now he's got the papers with it. She, she does now. I think this is one of them where the, doc- the doctors just leak it to the press and we're like, you won't believe this, but we won't give you the name and it'll be sound. Just if a kid in your class at school suddenly is uh, waddling on like he shits himself, <laughs> give him a if, second look. If a memory stick you're given is a bit stinky. Then. <laughs> um, moving on. Men take vehicle with free car sign, later find body in the trunk. That's genius. Because that frames them completely then. Prints all over it. <laughs> so it says, it's not genius for the ones who take it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, Taliban, Taliban militants take swan themed pedal boat rides in Afghan National Park. This is brilliant. Yeah. Like, Why are they even a... on a pedlo with RPGs? I know. <laughs> it's, it's like they've had a bit of bad press recently with not letting them go back to school and they think, what can we do to get our image back up? Oh, yeah, pedlo. <laughs> and finally, man. Probably not the point a... with that. Does look a lovely national park. We don't get shown that yeah. enough of Afghanistan. We see the bad side. Looks lovely there. 
Like, all we get to see is it's all IEDs and mud huts, whereas they've got a genuinely beautiful landscape over there. What you don't see is it's actually a centre park, and off camera you've got a member of the Taliban furious about how much it's cost him. <laughs> got to pay for the whole family, you don't understand. <laughs> got three wives, all got four kids. <laughs> well, finally, man found with a kinder egg full of drugs wedged between his buttocks. So, uh, that's, capsule. Not, that's not actually that uncommon. That is the... <laughs> like, I've seen that's Jack Fidgets. That. That's what we hear, Jack Fidgeting around. <laughs> I've literally seen people do that to get into festivals with large quantities of substances on them. You know that phrase, you judge a man by a company he keeps? <laughs> We're all silently doing that to you right now. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, that is the news of the week. Um, don't eat a burger in Bolivia. Watch what you do with USB sticks. And uh, use the vending machines in Florida for big takeaways. Anyway, as always, we will run through the fixtures in the order I've taken them down. So uh, due to Chelsea being the 4.30 kickoff, Jack, you will have to wait a little bit for us to get there. No. Um, Alex, Must be a build up for fortunately for you, you... Uh, <laughs> get to delay that one we'll start with the friday night kickoff and i don't know about it is lovely having a friday night kickoff it really does start the week off right it saves the more games we have on tv the better newcastle leads not the best game on paper but premier league game nonetheless steve bruce did his best to get newcastle fans excited when in his pre-game press conference he said <laughs> i said when i came here two years ago i'll not be everyone's cup of tea with my experience, I hope I can keep the club ticking along, that the club stays where it is, that we maintain our Premier League status. All Newcastle fans want to see their team competing at the top of the table like they did 20 years ago. Unfortunately, at this moment, we're not there. My job is to keep us on an even keel. So Steve Bruce really rallying the troops there. <laughs> That's straight from any given Sunday, that is, isn't it? Oh, hairs on the back of my neck are standing up. <laughs> it's not even one where like those Conte ones where he's quite literally just digging at the owners for not like getting in what yeah, he wanted yeah. Bruce just seems like oh it is what it is like it's like he's trying to calm any... it's like he's trying to calm fan expectations like they're not you don't have to Steve they've already pretty low and it's good well I don't want anyone getting carried away here so it's a well, tough season alright did you see the statement they put out at the end of the transfer window where no. What was it? So they signed Joe Willock, obviously. That was their only signing. On deadline day, they had a deal agreed for Hamza Chowdhury, which uh, they then pulled out of. Um, they then put a statement out once the window shut, basically saying, look, we won't spend above our means uh, just to kind of impress people. We, we can only spend what we make. They said essentially they have a pot which goes towards the running of the entire club Newcastle, rather than spread it across several players, felt that because Steve Bruce wanted Joe Willock that much, they used the whole pot on him. And so, essentially, you got him rather than others. So, that's why. Doesn't help Joe Willock when he goes on a patch <laughs> of not scoring. Um, doesn't help Steve Bruce. I guess the owners are trying to kind of put it all on him there. And oh, it doesn't sure. help have the fans feel any better because they're all excited to get Joe Willock over the line. And then they say, well, you best be happy with that now because that's why you haven't done anything else. 
Yeah, but didn't he cost like 20 million as well? 22, yeah. So, so what, they, how are they going to spread this money out? Who are they bringing in? Oh, wow, we could have got know. four or five of that. <laughs> well, the thing, the thing that they do is Newcastle insist on paying almost all of their transfer fees up front. So whereas other clubs will spread them over years, yeah. they say to make sure they're running things effectively, they pay everything up front. So whereas, say, I don't know, uh, a West Brom or a Fulham or using last season clubs or Norwich um, would get maybe two or three in that because they'll pay five, six, seven up front. Yeah, they will pay the majority of it there. But it, it just felt like you're under pressure. The fans don't like you as it is, whether they should or shouldn't. <laughs> this isn't helping you. It, it smacked of too honest. Steve, we don't need you to be entirely honest. You've got to come and put a bit of spin on this. Earlier in the press conference, he said that his family described him as a sick man for wanting to stick out in Newcastle. <laughs> it is a problem, isn't it? Because everyone's telling him, why aren't you resigning? Why aren't you getting out? And he just doesn't stop. He has the demeanour of a, a teacher who has long since lost their rag, but the class just keeps <laughs> giving them shit. He's got his head in his hands at the desk, but you just carry on anyway. But there was that clip that used to get memed, wasn't there, of him just signing it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that kills me. Thing is, though, you, with, with some managers, they can kind of get away with it. It's too an extreme. But when Klopp moans about the board, and I know he's only done it once, really, of memory, but say Klopp was in this position, the type of character he is, the fans are all going to get behind him. When Bruce yeah. does it, it's essentially, well, this is why we ate both of you. <laughs> yeah. he, he somehow seems to have made, put himself on an even keel with Ashley, which should be impossible. And yet he seems to be equally hated. Because well, we've, we've done these topics before, so I don't think we need to go too far into it. I don't think Newcastle fans do really expect to be, or at least the majority don't expect to be, top six immediately I just think they want something a bit more than competing to stay in the league those are Pardew you... years really looking like the glory years now right? <laughs> the house of pards <laughs> <laughs> that, um, just... did you see that um, Neville and Carragher little pre-game thing with some Newcastle fans I saw them good. running up the steps no that was good fun, it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought one of them might not make it full stop um, Neville nearly didn't yeah but they but did no, a good I didn't talk. see them speaking to fans. There was like four Newcastle fans and they kind of illustrated what you said, where it's, it's not that they want outlandish things. I'm sure there are some Newcastle fans who maybe have yeah. unrealistic expectations, but the majority just want a bit of an improvement on what they're getting. And it, I always think with them, they are a club that will probably accept falling short, but having some entertainment. But a lot of Bruce's football is not is no. not fun to watch either. Well, they, they light up essentially, don't they, with like, a 5-3-2 or a 5-4-1. And their starting lineup, we're told isn't that bad, but then you look and you've got like Matt Ritchie at wing back. No, I, I've always said that I think this is a very poor team. I, I like there's a generally held view that it's underachieving, whereas I think it's that kind of what it is. I I don't think there's much to like about this team full stop. Well they they keep saying essentially that like they're gonna get rid of the players that they just keep extending the contracts to, like Fabian Shah, who was linked with the top clubs briefly. But the likes of these who really don't want to be there, but 
because they can't afford anyone else or the owner doesn't want to, they just keep extending these players and the the manager doesn't choose the players he wants. I mean, they've extended Dwight Dale for about the eighth time. <laughs> Steve Bruce picks just about every single person over the top of him. You, you had the reports of Dwight Dale scrapping his assistant in the build-up <laughs> to this game, who Dwight Dale must be a real piece of work because for a guy who looks like he, he wouldn't hurt a fly, he seems to always be in the thick of this like mess. <laughs> Told the story on here before when there was supposedly he was in a bar just tapping birds on the shoulder and saying, Do you know how much I earn? Oh. Until someone laid him out. Just um, horrific. I don't, I don't know. This team, and this is only pre-game, Newcastle fans, there was every chance that the atmosphere could just get worse and worse and worse. I did have a question, though. So look at the two scorers that we do have in the game. It ends up 1-1. Rafinha and uh, Alan St. Maximan. And I'll ask you first, TK. If you could take one of them for your team, which one are you taking? I would take St. Maximan. So um, I thought you were going to say the opposite. No, I, I do think he's... He's got something. I mean, obviously, they both do. I, I just think if he could... And maybe this is just a case of being a better team. If he could sort of harness what he does more regularly in a game, because he can float in and out. If he could harness that more regularly, then he'd, you know, well, he'd be one of the best players in the league, wouldn't he? he? He's almost unstoppable once he gets going. He's unbelievable feet. Uh, and he, to be honest, he, when he gets a chance, he normally does have some decent end product. I think there's probably a feeling Particularly this season. He could, yeah, I think there's a feeling he could have always improved on that. I think he looks like he is. Um, I said, if this was such a a generally pretty garbage team with a manager who wants to be pretty defensive. He's, yeah. he's doing his best. Well, he he's a player that if you're a Newcastle fan, you're literally paying the admission price to see. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think fans of other teams would as well. Um, I think if you want, for my team, I think he's a little bit more direct than Rafinha as well, which I like about him. So that'd be yeah. my pick. I remember the first time seeing him at the Emirates and um, he was down the side of the pitch that I was on and he was up against Bellerin that day. And he, he was absolutely smoking him for the most part. Um, I think from memory, Emery brought on uh, Maitland-Niles, who is a very good 1v1 defender, and they kind of shifted him then around a bit more. But just seeing him, it was quite simple where they just got the ball and gave it to him. And he had no shame in doing so because he is a guy that creates something out of nothing. And you yeah. mentioned there about the end product. When you look at some of the players that are probably rated ahead of him, his is better than that. And he's not selfish either. He creates for others. He's exciting. How? Who do you think stays at their club longer? Who do you think leaves first, Rafinha or Sir Maximin? I think Sir Maximin leaves because I think someone big will come in for him next season or in the summer or something like that. If he keeps going on the way he's going... Like, I know this sounds kind of far-fetched at the moment, but City's model is try and buy in the Premier League if you can before buying elsewhere. Mm. And we've seen that with Grealish. Like, they've paid 100 mil for for Grealish. Like, I can see them going big for some Maximan or something like that. Because you put some Maximan in that City team in a team which has the ball most of the time, and then I reckon he becomes much better than he does it looks at the moment. Is there a chance he gets Grealished where 
Newcastle, I don't think they're going to charge what Palace do, but people say essentially for the price they want, we can get someone who's at least similarly effective. I guess it all depends on his... Not Grealish, how, sorry, he's a hard. I meant yeah, hard. length yeah. on his contract as well, I guess. He's just signed, I think, like a five-year extension. Oh, wow. Okay. Who's advising these people? Well, Newcastle, from, from what we saw with the Willock one, I think they essentially say this is the length of contract, you take it or leave it. And I think when the others don't come in, they bite at it because there was there was a hold-up in the Willock deal because he wasn't happy with the length of contract. Ultimately signed a six-year deal. So I, I think maybe financially they make it worth their while and they probably give him some kind of false promises that will let you go if, uh, if it happens there. I can, can you know, I can see like an Everton going for Sir Maximin and yeah, definitely paying the money that perhaps someone else won't. He's essentially he's essentially what Pepe looked like in Lille, a bit less showboaty, but with his directness, with the way that he goes, drives and beats a man. It's essentially what we were supposed to be signing in, in Pepe there. Would you swap um, Pepe for Sir Maximin? Yeah, Pepe. Uh, He's in my bad books at the moment, so I'm probably being quite harsh on him. But he's frustrating the hell out of me. And Sir Maximin is a guy that genuinely brings a smile to my face watching him play. So, um, I think he's transitioning from that, isn't he? From it's not a player that's fun to watch to a player that's still fun to watch, but going to be a lot more productive. Yeah, so. who was it? Uh, he had a game earlier in the season where he picked up the ball. Must have been like the halfway line and just drove and drove and drove. Was it was it Everton they played? Um, but he scored a peach there as well. It may be, uh, was it was it West Ham? I'm remembering. No, it was the Southampton two-two game. But he ran from like halfway there, just drove and drove and drove, and eventually just found the bottom corner. Like he is insane. The 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 closeness in his control. The confidence he, he plays with I'm surprised no one's come in for him already to be honest yeah absolutely I, I, he, should, he should go to he should hold out for a top team as well shouldn't go to like an Everton or something I think he could play a, a really really good team in the right in the right uh, so should someone have a vacancy that he could fill in there nicely I think we were linked with him before going for Pepe so these things could have uh, panned out differently but I'd love to see him at the Emirates um, and Newcastle, I think it'll be a dark day for them if he does go, because I don't think they're replacing him with even half the quality. No, 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 absolutely not. You're still picking Newcastle to go down, TK? I, I'm assuming nothing's changed in what you've seen? No, no, you know, unless Bruce goes tomorrow and they somehow pull a great managerial appointment out of the bag, I don't think I don't think they'll have enough and they'll go. Uh, yeah, the twelve forty five game. Sorry, my Southampton pit doesn't look quite so good. I think they look half <laughs> decent on on yeah. paper. It looks a poor team, but when I've watched them, they actually is a good manager, though, isn't he? So yeah, very good. Um, the twelve forty five kickoff that we had, we had a kind of a tale of two strikers that were both struggling to get off the mark. One obviously uh, does the job; the other still struggling. Tony, do you take this as? the platform of him kicking on from here because for all of what was said about him in the Arsenal game, he didn't do a lot really, put himself about, but there were there was no real threat um, from what he was doing at that end of the pitch. 
when you looked at the game against Wolves at the weekend, he was creating, he was challenging every defender. Could have had a hat trick if it wasn't for um, some close bar calls. Do you think this was Wolves kind of they played in a way that benefited him, or is this him now? You're going to see this a lot more. I think he's got all the attributes to be able to be a player that can kick on. Like he's exactly like in that mould of Brentford. They like to play a bit of football. He's got he's good with his feet. He's a good finisher, but he's strong and got a bit of pace as well. So I think it's just one of those when you get up to speed with the league and get that knack of being in the right place at the right time. Obviously, that goal that was disallowed for his handball, still yeah. like a decent goal. And nine times out of ten, that doesn't hit his arm and it goes in. So, yeah, I think he's definitely got all the attributes. And I think I the way Brent, Brentford play as well kind of support him. Whereas I look at like a Norwich or a Newcastle and like Joe Linton, for example, at Newcastle going back, but he doesn't really do it. 40 million with pounds. I know, oh, but he's not helped by the team either. Where it's There's only so finish. much you can help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the other thing about Tony is, is watching his game, I think maybe because of the sheer volume of goals he scored last year, we probably saw him as just a goal scorer. But when you watch their games, he's, you guys are kind of touching it, but he's getting through so much work. He's doing so much in terms of yeah. his running, his work in the channels, he bullies defenders. He obviously gets an assist in this game. I think he could try and be more selfish if he wanted to and his numbers would increase. But I think the job he's doing for his team is probably means at Prem level where you're going to have slightly less chances that you're going to have at Championship. We may not see him score the sheer volume of goals he's got before, but he's going to be such an asset to that team and still chip in with enough goals that I think he's going to have a good season without you know, uh, blowing your mind with the sort of number of goals he'll score. Yeah, I saw a headline... Um... I think it was last week where it was along the lines of the standard. Like Ivan Tony slams Arsenal, says they won't win anything for this and that. And then I watched a clip of the interview, and I know he's been linked with us before. There's another one who I think was an Arsenal fan when he was younger, and he says, "Yeah, yeah, I don't think they're going to win much for a while uh, unless they get a new striker in." And he's smiling, <laughs> and he's smiling at uh, the interviewer. Oh, he's obviously joking, but you get what get what he's saying. But then, just when you see the headlines from like the Mirror, always you'd think he it? was doing this. The like Emmy Martinez, every interview he does when he's just trashing us. What he say? Well, Jimenez had struggles. Uh, I think it would be a kind way to say in front of goal during this game. Doesn't help that he's got the most abnormally shaped headband I think I've ever seen um, <laughs> on his head, but. Is he a guy? Is he a guy that this has impacted the way he plays for good now? Or should we still expect him to put up the same numbers he does? Is it when he gets one, it's suddenly going to kind of come back and he's going to be golden again? What, what do you think? Because Wolves aren't going to get very far without him. Yeah, it's hard to tell, isn't it? We haven't seen too many players fracture their skull and have come back. Um, especially as I wouldn't say it's solely his game because he's a really good player, but obviously that aerial threat that he has was a big part of it. And where if yeah. he's got even just a little bit of confidence missing now, that's going to be very, very hard psychologically to, to sort of rebuild on. Not like a standard injury where, you know, slowly but surely, uh, you know, you can increase your muscle back or whatever. So that's yeah. a, a tough one to work your head around. And no pun intended there, please. So 
Chelsea were supposedly on the record of going for Adama Traore this summer. Obviously, that move didn't come to. He's still starting for Wolves every game. We're saying the same things over and over with him. We're talking about his final ball. Um, is it? Would you say it's a, a result of bad coaching? Is it if he goes and he plays under a more accomplished coach, then suddenly this is going to click? Is it poor composure, like he has the ability and he just gets in that final third and he panics? Or, or is it just quite simply put a lack of ability that if you're a manager, you put up with because of what else he brings? Well, yeah, I mean, he's maybe the most extreme example of it, but we've seen it countless times, haven't we, with players that can beat a man, no problems. But just can't can't produce a final. You know, you could you could reel off reel off a list of names. Uh, it's not that long ago he was playing for like Borough in the Championship as well. Yeah. So he's kind of come a, a fair way, I would say. I he makes no sense though in terms of sometimes he'll, he can come on or whatever and he can whip a ball in, and he he obviously does have it. He, he just can't do it regularly. But some people you sort of look at I don't know someone like maybe Aaron Lennon. I would say a prime Ireland was a really good player, but you wouldn't back him to whip a ball in or whatever. His end product was questionable. I feel like Troy does have it in the locker. And as I said, he has shown the fact that he can progress quickly from going from someone like Burroughs being a good Premier League player. But it's it's kind of that next step. I do think obviously the, the price is going to be prohibitive. But if a big club took a chance on him and gave him a run of games, I, I do think he may be. Uh, a great bit of business for someone. I think it could all click for him. Well, Spurs were reportedly willing to pay up to about forty million for him in the summer, and Wolves weren't going to settle for under fifty. Um, I'm not sure. I thought him, Son, and Kane is a terrifying front line. <laughs> but when you look at the precision in which the Son and Kane partnership is built on, Triori is like the polar opposite. He's again though he could be a nice compliment to it though isn't he he's not yeah, a bad yeah. you know not bad output particularly if Kane keeps doing this thing dropping deep he's going to need someone running in behind yeah it's it's, it's just a strange one I, I do think you're right and eventually ATM either go for him it probably just depends what they expect from him because with respect Spurs are going to expect a lot more from him than Chelsea are the two yes. clubs that yeah, have been and at Chelsea, he's probably going to play right wing back where if he can just push them back a little bit, the other team, rather than be expected to chip in as part of the front line. Whereas if he goes to Spurs, the money that he's going to cost, the money that they spend in comparison to Chelsea, he's going to be expected to put up close to sun numbers. So I think it just... I wonder if he might need that more though. I do wonder if he might need that. But right, you're going to have to go and be a main guy for us rather than he would end up being a squad player at Chelsea. Is he not having to do that at Wolves though? I, I don't think the amount of times they'll bench him or whatever. I don't think they've ever said to him, you're, right, you're our guy. And even playing him at wing back, I don't think he's a wing back. I think he does an all right job there, but leave him in, the, if you do, you know, if he was one of the three up top, say, right, don't worry about having to do this other stuff. Um, yeah, I think there is something there that they could, they could harness him better. I think another team could. I would, I think he's, his next move is going to be crucial. His career could go from... He could go to one of these teams and blossom, or he could go, for example, to a Chelsea or whatever, not play, and then just fall, fall away. And he will forever be the inconsistent guy who had a lot of ability but just couldn't convert into goals and assists. 
ends up, you know, playing for Real Betis or something. It, sees his days it, might, it might be a cheap comparison because of the things we mentioned last week, but say he went to Leeds with Bielsa's coaching, the fact that they, they do have the these players so wide in midfield mm. to literally hugging the touchline. So, I mean, say they went for him instead of Dan James. What, yep. what, what do you think happens? Because regardless of what you say about Bielsa, that's another level of coaching that he's going to have he's going to have to be more positionally aware. He's going to have a more defined role rather than what he has now. It'd be interesting to see then if it mm. is a lack of coaching, which is why we're seeing what we have today, because you've seen players go from strength to strength, depending on who's in, who's in charge of them. I mean, you look at, I was going to say, I was going to say Rudiger, but even still, he's quite rash. But I mean, you compare him under Tuchel and compare him under Frank. Mm. Like, Sometimes it, it does just take a high level of coaching to get that out of the player. So I do wonder with him. It'll be a shame if we don't get to see it. I'd just rather Agreed. it wasn't a Spurs. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't like it at Chelsea either, to be fair. <laughs> um, Barca keep being linked with him and you can you can see them chucking the book at him. There doesn't seem a more like failed transfer yeah, destined yeah. in history than that, dear Lord. Um. So then we had uh, the two toughest teams in the league going head-to-head. Arsenal defeated Burnley 1-0. The oldest average age of a uh, Premier League squad compared to, I think, the second youngest uh, in Arsenal. TK, I have another one for you here. And I was going to save this for a 3MP, but we might do it in just a slightly uh, different way. So Aaron Ramsdale now. Three appearances for Arsenal, three clean sheets, three wins. Is, is there a situation in which he can change your opinion of him? Or is it a case of you're just waiting for the inevitable to happen? Because when I was speaking to Troy, I was saying there's a lot of Arsenal fans now who are completely sold with him. Like, yep. In terms of popularity, I think he may be the most popular player at the club after Saka. <laughs> Uh, a lot of the people that are praising him now the second say that penalty goes the other way this weekend they're going to go oh there we go that's the the guy we paid this money for blah 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 is it possible to change your opinion on him and if so how long is that going to take right so I guess sorry come on Jack no no you go mate you go it's fine I was going to say I think that um you are right to say there are people just going to be waiting for him to make the first mistake, aren't they, and to pull it out. And he can definitely, he can change my opinion. And I've, by kind of being as I have about him on the pod, I have accepted that, look, there's a strong chance I could be strongly uh, wrong on this. I could be completely wrong and look slightly foolish. And he is the next David Seaman. But I'll <laughs> lean towards, I'll probably, I'll probably be closer to right than wrong. Uh, I guess the, the only thing, the way he would have to change my mind is this have to be, a prolonged period of time that isn't Burnley, Norwich and West Brom all right and saying the yeah, three games. Burnley, so, to be fair, for a keeper isn't a, I mean you you've seen the the likes of some of the best keepers in the league have had a rough time against them. For sure. For sure. I, I don't know that they've put him under too much duress during the game. Um but yeah, you you are right. And you can only I know the old cliche that you can only beat what's in front of you, but he's being played in these games. It's not his fault he wasn't brought in prior to that. So uh, yeah, we'll see over the course of the season. I did also say that I think he 
probably can be a good Premier League goalkeeper, just whether he's going to grow to be the top keeper that Arsenal are going to need. If presumably the, the ultimate goal is to get back to the top. I would be very, yeah. I'd be very surprised if he does turn out to be that guy, but he could prove me wrong. I think what's impressed a lot of people with him is uh, the character that we probably don't see when you're playing I, a team like Sheffield. I was about um, to say that there must be something to that because the fact that he's getting in these England squads and he's getting this £30 million move does suggest people have seen uh, something about his character that, like you said, we wouldn't be privy to. So apparently, uh, after seeing him on the touchline the first time uh, we played against him with Arteta, he was supposedly just completely enamoured with him, just the way he speaks to his defenders, uh, just his general character in seeing what the other players say about him. I know he phoned up Saka while at the Euros to get his opinion on him and I think he's probably the wrong man to ask because I don't think he's going to say a bad word about many people. No. But just just the difference in having him there, um, I guess Jack can, can speak to this a bit more with, with being a goalkeeper. He seems to give so much more confidence to the defenders there with how he boosts them up compared to Leno, who, as good of a shot stopper as he is, it's a bit of a wet lettuce when it comes to Burnley would have had a field day, pumping that in. And I've complained about it for years on here, haven't I, with Leno coming to take the ball. The amount of times it's happened where he's flapped at it in the air. I During the Norwich game, he was grabbing the likes of Tierney, Gabriel, Ben White, and really just pumping them up. And they seem to have just as much confidence in him. So that's very important, clearly. I guess that's exactly what you need, though, isn't it? Like that defense, losing some of the older heads and having basically a whole new defense. Um, mm. in, Those in older that, heads, interesting. I mean, <laughs> the old, I mean, say as bad as they were towards the end with David Louise and your boy, what, what was his name? The Mustafi. No, not Mustafi. Um, Socrates. Socrates, that's it. Legend. Um, but they were probably leaders because they commanded that respect. Yeah. Now, with Ramsdale, although he's younger, he doesn't have that kind of command of respect. He pumps, pumping and motivating his defence up is almost like just as good as, essentially. Um, it makes a lot of difference in the team, and especially like him in comfort crosses, like you touched upon versus Leno. That in itself has the ability to completely change games because... Well, it helps um, against Burnley at the weekend. It does, but you can also let balls come into the box and don't feel like you have to like completely play yourself out of position to yeah. try and stop this cross. You can let it come in and just know that the keeper's probably going to be able to deal with it. Or like when there's a keeper that can't catch a ball, you'll see the centre defenders try at all costs to head the ball clear or at least yeah. get in the way. And that can then leave a man free or... They've got two things in their mind is they're just concentrating on marking. Whereas when you've got someone that comes and claims the ball like Ramsdale has been doing in the last few games, it just leaves the defenders to do their job. So and that's brilliant. That defence, Tierney's 24 years old, Ramsdale's 23, Gabriel's 22, and Tommy Asu is 22. It's a very young defence, but Ben White is 23, actually. Um, but they all have plenty of senior football under uh, what's it, is it under their belts is that the phrase they've, yeah. they've, they've all played a lot of uh, senior football Ramsdale for his age is 
the most accomplished uh, Premier League goalkeeper there with in terms of appearances. So I guess they're banking on that. Not everyone can get two relegations under their belt that early. Hey, Harry Maguire had three. <laughs> but the senior appearances, I guess Arteta's banking on things like the relegations and things. Character building there, I'm sure they'd say. Um <laughs> I'm just saying he's dealt with these situations before rather than some of these players you can bring in. Say we brought in uh, that dodgy backup keeper from Barcelona who isn't used to losing games. He's probably not up for the fight the same way that a Ramsdale is going to be. And it's nice to have someone that actually looks like they're happy to and proud to play for the club. He's a great guy. Um, when he <laughs> does make his first mistake, I will pretend it hasn't happened. Um <laughs> But I'm I'm fully on board. Like, to tell you how on board I am, um, I was looking at short sleeve goalkeeper shirts uh, last week. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! But I'm I'm all in. Um, you don't have to tell us that you were tweeting the club saying, <laughs> "Sign Ramsdale, give us updates." No one's ever thought this would happen. Did you see? By the way, I forget he's not been on on the pod. That Tierney calling him Farmer Dingle after Kai's tweet. A while yeah. back, saying, "Yeah, interesting." He's called that one uh, from a while away. In a reply to a tweet from me saying he wouldn't start for Brock of Albion, so uh, he's come a long way. <laughs> You've gone full circle. <laughs> Other bits on Arsenal. Um, Tommy Asu, second game now in the Premier League. Looks a solid buy. Uh, only two games, I know, but for for a guy that that. Twat Cave on Sky Sports was trying to dig out. <laughs> he looks like a decent bit of business. I think though, if you want to endear a signing to a fan base, have that fella on Sky Sports slagging <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's very helpful to you. It's PR, it's perfect PR for you. It has been funny with the our expectations for Arteta are so low that he can get the back four right, and we say bravo, congratulations. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's quite a clear. What your best back four should be. Yeah. And he's got it. He's finally actually played it. And you're like, oh, <clears throat> what a genius we've got on our hands. But in fairness, um, time will tell on these. Arteta quite clearly wanted Tommy Asu over Eberson Royale, who I'm, I'm, Alex, if he's clenching his fist Arthur style at me now, I'm not writing off Eberson Royale after two games. So don't be thinking I am. But it's clear to see one if. Arteta's looking for his system and what he wants to do now, Tommy Asu would be a much better fit than what Emerson would have been slotting him in. Oh yeah, for sure. I I you put I think if you from what we've seen from Royal at the moment, you put him in that Arsenal defence and I don't yeah, think he does do any favours at all. Yeah. Within a hundred percent of the aerial battles against Burnley, with the likes of them, because uh, Wood was peeling out wide just to try and get on the ball. That's impressive stuff that's only going to be better than when you play some of the tamer teams out there. Burnley are just a vile bunch, aren't they? The amount they whinge after the way they try and dish it out is freakish. And I don't know if any of you watched Match of the Day. Lineker trying to paint that it should have still been a penalty despite VAR ruling it out was a disgrace. I don't know how much more of the ball Ramsdale could have got. No, I, I will come on to some other penalty shouts, I'm sure. Yeah. But I, I don't know how <clears throat> that was particularly even debated, really. No. I saw it in real time and I, 
you, when you see the ball go flying like that, you kind of just assume that the referee's seeing what you've seen, considering he's so much closer. See him mm. give the penalty. Christ, that's absolutely raging. Thankfully, uh, we get to where we are, because I did immediately think Ramsdale is about to be in for a rough afternoon. <laughs> uh, last bit. Uh, Thomas Party is uh, still trying to get back to fitness. I think Sky Sports gave him a 5 out of 10, which is pretty ridiculous. It dominated the game on the ball for the most part, sitting deep. One of them where, I know you said it before the game, perhaps an example of a team sheet looking better on paper than it does in actuality. Um, I'm not sure against Tottenham he's going to play Party, Erdegaard and Smith-Rowe as a midfield three. No, I would question that. No. Saka's kind of yet to make a mark so far this season. He he still looks a bit knackered to me. And um, I think he's better on the right, which is where he's had his success. Do, Do you read anything into that? Is it just... Uh, 21, 20 years old, sorry, you're going to have patches where you're not going to be quite as good as you are later in the season. I I don't think you... I think when you throw in the, the quite hard start that Arsenal have put the poor lad through, <laughs> the, um, you know, it's when you... If you are carrying a bit of fatigue into the season, both physically and mentally, um, you know, it's it's quite hard to build that momentum he's a sort of player for me that thrives off that momentum that 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 swing in a match and I just don't think he's had the opportunity to pull that together um just yet uh you know we know the talent's there for shadow of a doubt I mean remember what he did all last season for you um he looked good in the game he played for England which perhaps says a lot about what he's working with at Arsenal I think that summer as well, having like no pre-season has not helped at all for young lads. No, I I wouldn't even ask you to particularly go back and watch the Arsenal Burnley highlights, but to, to not sound all uh, tired from AFTV, how dry the pitch was. Is, <laughs> it, it, it was like something I've never seen before, not even just one occasion. The amount of times that it looked like at the first time it's just like a lazy pass. And then when that's happening three, four times, you do realise the ball's quite clearly just being caught up in the ground because of how dry it is. Um, that's what happened with the Ben White back pass. I think it was a bit lazy anyway. But there was a couple going through on goal where the ball had literally stopped dead on the pitch because it was just rough as anything. Um, get out of Burnley with a win. Can't complain. Um, Liverpool 3, Palace nil. TK. Um, Klopp said it's one of the most closely contested 3-0 victories you'll ever see. Yeah, I think 3-0 probably was a bit harsh on them. But I don't know if it's one of the closest you'll ever see. I don't, I don't know. We do, Off the top of my head, I can't think of that many. Like where you uh, smash someone and then you say, oh, great. well, like you did to Arteta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He does that, doesn't he? Um, was it one of them? I saw one chance that I think you had a bit of a kerfuffle in the back and Zaha nearly shinned it over Allison. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, it's a fair point. They didn't, they didn't create an awful lot. I think after the first 10, 15 minutes, we basically just started dominating possession. So, um, yeah, I think, I think he is sort of gaslighting them a bit. 
Mane getting his 100th goal for the club. Um, I, I did see the goal. I must say, I thought he'd hit it from about 20 yards, the amount of messages I had seen. And you said Mane was finished. Um, Christ. Mainly Rory, actually. But <laughs> big achievement and perhaps something that he's always going to go under the radar when you've got Salah there. Well, potentially, yeah, but he has been playing badly for <laughs> yeah. basically the entirety of last season start of this one. So Since that weird um, phase where people said, you know what, I think I might actually rather have Mane. A lot of people, a lot, um, a lot, a lot of pundits, a lot of Liverpool fans. Um, and, and look, he was, you know, him, Salah, and Obama obviously had a golden boot that year, so it's not, yeah. it's not totally outlandish. And I think his numbers were a long gonna... time ago, exactly. Uh, no, right? So <laughs> at the time, wasn't seen as a ridiculous argument. Um, I mean, she wasn't really ridiculous. So a lot of people, Salah was probably falling third in that front three because people were yeah. saying how Firmino gets all this underrated work as well. So Salah was, was somehow game, kind of third spot. It was the game against Spurs, wasn't it? Because Firmino was having a rough season. I remember he had a worldie against Spurs where we saw one of the biggest tiltings we, we've ever seen in a certain <laughs> number of this, uh, this chat here. But then suddenly people like, Bobby, there is no one else in the world that can do this. Like He's so important. Um. I mean, that hasn't quite gone the same way since either. Yeah, but both of them obviously have not hit the heights that they that they previously have, um, while Salah's kept ticking along. So the only hope is that Mane can obviously get back to that now and a couple of goals can sort of inspire him. Because even in, in the games, he hasn't still hasn't looked himself even though he's got the goals. But hopefully it's just a confidence thing and sort of he can go from there. I've got, I've got my notes down here and I don't, I don't know, it's not... A, Great one for you. I've got down <laughs> that Liverpool are just a bit boring. Then they're, they're not doing anything to set people alight. They're doing what they should be doing. They're not really giving us anything to talk about. <laughs> if the most thing we have to talk about is that Salah and Mane are good, yeah, well, that's kind they're not of really the, doing. Yeah. Too... Well, well, let's face it. You've probably had last year, but there's plenty to talk about in Liverpool for all the wrong reasons. And this year, they're probably hoping for maybe a slightly less dramatic season. Yeah. Um, but, but the whole thing with, I guess, with Liverpool was that they haven't made any signings. Like so, really, there hasn't been any change. So, whilst there's been change at Chelsea and Man United, so you, there's plenty for you to talk about there, Liverpool are kind of as they were, and I assume yeah. as the club are hoping that they're going to replicate what they did a couple of years ago. Yeah. Were the fullbacks injured or just being rested on Saturday? Trent was ill, not COVID okay. apparently, um, and I think Robertson has been injured. Which yeah, Ashley McCass is probably going to end up looking like the unluckiest man around because he every time he plays, he plays really well. Yeah, and gets a load of tweets about how tired he looks. Everybody says he just doesn't <laughs> sleep. How tired must he be from here? That's what the bags are from just tired from hearing all the jokes. Um, but I mean, we said before, haven't we? That the system you have is that. Milner can come in and you can still slot to a 3 0 victory with not too much struggles. And the way Palace looked against Spurs, that should that should have been a concern. Like, you know, rotating the entire back four from your midweek game should be questionable. I know Van Dyke's coming back in in that equation, so it's pretty significant. But Milner should have been exposed. You know, Schimmerke should have had a hard day's work, and it really wasn't. So that's where Klopp's sort of uh, praising a Palace really does fall short, that yeah. they didn't really ask enough questions of a Liverpool back four that had never played together. 
they blew their beans against Spurs, unfortunately, Alex. Yeah, off always away. away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, the worst thing you can do, as they always say, against Palace, isn't it, is give the crowd a reason to get into it. And uh, when Tanganga pushes the har over, <laughs> he uh, gave every member of that crowd a reason <laughs> to get pumped up. Um, Liverpool scoring after, what, 12 minutes, something like that. Very quickly yeah. said, yeah, you're not having anything here today. I know it was Anfield, but even the away support. Um, it started OK as well, so it's a bit of a gut punch for him, I think. Yeah. So, City nil, Southampton nil. Another team where I think we're saying a lot of the same. So, the place to start is Pep getting in trouble. They had their Champions League game on Wednesday. They went 6-3 against Leipzig, which perhaps we don't bat an eyelid as much as we should there. Um he kind of gave a plea to the fans, didn't he? I, I do agree with he says. He didn't bluntly say, we need more fans here, but when you're, when you're giving them the date and time and saying, please come and give us some support, <laughs> it's never going to go down well, is it? No matter any manager that makes any kind of negative remark towards the support, that you can't win. Just you're better off just not say anything. It was an odd one as well because maybe they was because they were coming off the back of that Champions League game, but their league attendances aren't that bad. It's the kind of peripheral competitions that you see the empty seats. So it's just an, it's an interesting like hill to die on there. They they do charge like London ticket prices pretty much, which I, Arsenal fans, Spurs fans, we, we, we know how brutal those ticket prices are. You do kind of come to expect it in uh, London. I've not been to the Etihad myself, but if, if what you hear is true, it's literally, is it not based just off the back of a housing estate? Like, Yeah. It's, it's, not in a, it's not in a rich area. It's not like United where you can pay for the brand because they're going to fill it up, whether it's people from Manchester, whether it's people from Australia. Like, It's mm. going to be full. I've Over seen there, skippy I mean, tickets being sold on Welcher. Which kind of says, <laughs> they're sold. They're sold on. They're sold on uni days. Some of the jokes this week have been tremendous. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I knew people getting creative when I saw someone editing the postcode lottery advert. Handed <laughs> yeah. over ten tickets, and you had someone in one of them little uh, coin machines, penny machines that you get in uh, Blackpool with city tickets in there. <laughs> you know, I saw McDonald's Monopoly with you getting a Big Mac or three city tickets. But it's a rough week for their fans. You can understand why you'd be pissed off if, if you were their fans because it's basically just saying, please laugh at us, isn't it? Yeah, it's exactly that. Please call us Tim Pot. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how many more times we need to know that even when they were in the third division, they were still selling out their stadium. Well, this is this has got me a little bit. The faux sort of outrage that people are mocking their attendances, like like that, isn't just a thing that just happens anyway. People just mock clubs' attendances because, particularly with City, we haven't got a lot else we can go on here. They tend to win quite a lot, so yeah. we've got to go at something. Here. No, it's like, but you get it's like you say you get it with all stadiums. I've I've been to Arsenal when it's been as quiet as like a mouse in there, and I've been to Arsenal where. The atmosphere has been as good as any sporting like event that I've been to. It still gets called a library. It still gets called dead with no atmosphere. And 
that's going to happen regardless because 90% of the people aren't going to be there, same as we aren't going to the Etihad. Just like you said, we can't laugh, you only won 5-0 this weekend. doesn't quite work particularly <laughs> yeah. for me or Alex. Um, We've got to send for you a different way. Yeah. It's a hell of a Trump card Pep's got though, isn't it? When he was like, look, if they don't like it, I can step aside. Yeah. I, was, I, was, <laughs> I was saying to someone the other day, it's like a, it's like if you win with a girl who's badly, badly out of your league. And so you're just putting up this shit. And she, hey, well, look, I, I can treat you like shit. I can leave if you want. No, no, it's, it's okay. Love, you stay. It's all right. You know what? You want to throw a microwave at me? You, you do it. You stick around. This is absolutely fine. We'll put up with it. The best thing about it was, though, that I hate when people do the fake apologies. And so I liked that he said, I won't apologize because I don't think I said anything wrong. I'd much rather that than him say, look, if his feelings were hurt, then I, I do apologize. It wasn't what I meant. It's not what you meant. Don't say sorry. No, absolutely. I, I thought it was a, a bit as much. It was very funny for the rest of us to laugh at him telling him to turn up. I did think it was an overreaction as well. I, I didn't think he said anything too bad. And apparently he said similar at Bayern. I know he said the same at Barcelona. So, you know, he's, he's pretty consistent with it. Whether we believe it or not, he has praised their fans for years as well and said about the atmosphere they create and the special relationship he has with them and all of this. So, it, it would be strange, particularly in the circumstances, if if you've just got beat five 0 and you want to deflect, and then you say, you know, I mean, if we had a couple a couple more thousand people in it today, willing to on, we might have got over the line. Then okay, yeah, maybe take it and say, look, he's trying to pin it on us when it's his own dodgy selection or something. This was maybe the fact that they maybe the fact they do draw with Southampton helps his argument <laughs> because you were kind of thinking when he was like. They're going to be so tough, and you're like, "Come on, bro. yeah, Southampton at home, give us a break." It turns out they actually were quite tough. But look, in a couple of years' time, City fans can work out how offended they were by him uh, saying they should turn up more often when he's not there. They can find out just how much the next manager, who's probably going to do shit there, is this uh, not as as well just City fans being bored? Like they they don't have anything else like to to get worked up about. I mean. Yeah, all the clubs, we get some kind of something. I mean, Liverpool, whether it's uh, you're moaning about Salah not signing a new contract, Arsenal, I mean, the things are endless. Spurs, you, you, you get the same. Maybe they, they they just need something to pass the weekend. They just want to get outraged about this because they want to take their frustrations out somewhere else. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's like if, if you ever heard a rich couple arguing, they don't have real problems. <laughs> so they're just arguing about any random shit. We're not wanting to leave too much money to their kids. Yeah, or exactly. exactly. Week. Um, Pep has said several times now, when they win, it's going to be, what a great squad you have. When you lose, it's going to be, see, this is what happens when you don't have a striker. <laughs> yeah. Is it the same here today? Do we just blame it quite simply on that? Because... He said, we don't have one person that's going to score us 25 goals, so we're going to spread it between the team. When Ferran Torres is scoring a hat-trick against Arsenal, you get away with it. When you've got, I don't know, Bernardo Silva scuffing his lines against Southampton, it's a bit harder. To be fair, for what for his part, Kane is doing his level best to make it look like they didn't get that one. <laughs> He's doing his absolute best. I, I think it's, it is tricky, isn't it? Because they do look like Look, they need a striker, and I think that's probably why a lot of us are thinking Charles is the strongest squad now because they look at 
look what they've done with Lukaku. And then you've got United basically winning games because Ronaldo's nicking the goals. So you're, you're looking at it thinking, City don't have that guy. He has got a pretty good argument when you look at their season last year. You say, well, this team is no no worse off. Plus, it has Jack Grealish now. It's, it's not a bad team. No. Because Aguero um, didn't play. As much as they're saying they've lost, yeah. they lost Aguero, basically lost him last year. Not much to say on Norwich Watford. Um, I mean, great interview about Ben Foster after the game is what I can say. <laughs> the, the, the quote I did like is um, he said in there, like I keep saying to the lads, pass it to the good ones. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you take that if, you, if you're Tom Cleverley in the middle. <laughs> That's very Sunday league, isn't it? Where you know you've got a couple of good players and the rest are pretty average. So let's go and look. If we just get the ball to you, all the time, and you do something. Well, in fairness, when when we would play on a Monday night, if we're losing a game and either of us have the ball, it makes a lot more sense to pass to Brad than it than it does for us to go on a run. Like it's it's, it's pretty simple. Like, we became the only long ball team at five side. <laughs> <laughs> Jack pumping up to Brad then. <laughs> <laughs> so Ben Foster, I mean, makes it makes a great point there. Um, also weird how him having his mobile phone or whatever it is behind the goal angers so many people. Second I saw he was confirmed to be starting, what I saw was just stuff about, oh, he's going to have this on his GoPro and this and that. Odd people out there. It's quite interesting to watch it from that perspective. I enjoy it. I think most people enjoy it. Have I just entirely missed this? What? Yeah, go on, Jack. I was just going to say he's got a YouTube channel and... um, he films all the games on a GoPro from behind the goal. It's, and uh, you can watch them afterwards. So you can watch like the interactions and whatnot close up. It's quite good. But okay. it reminds me of this lad that I used to play five-a-side with on a Thursday night at Bourneside. And it wasn't even like a league. It was just everyone just getting their mates to turn up and want to have a kick around kind of thing. And he'd bring a GoPro and he had a head mount, a chest mount, and he used to hang it on the net when he used to go in goal. And it was just the most bizarre thing ever you've got this 20 22 stone bloke <laughs> getting dribbled around by this kid wearing a chest mounted gopro <laughs> and i say kid he was like he's like a good like mid to late 20s so, so like he's just running around this big fat bloke with his belly poking out of a man united shirt from 10 seasons ago with a gopro on i'm like what the hell's going on here and i was thinking are you watching this back and analyzing it because i feel like there's not much analysis needed yeah. In fairness, but, our, our Brockworth games used to get filmed and analysed and there was only so much you could pick out there. <laughs> oh yeah, what I should have done here is when Fat Gary came over here to tackle Quite literally, I, I, <laughs> I, remember, I remember we went into one training session. Alex may have been there at this time as well. Um, but he'd watched the game back and he'd picked out every error that had been made with a tally this is very Mikel Arteta-esque. <laughs> I mean, Arsenal do win some games. It yeah, doesn't feel yeah, like it. Yeah. This, this Brockworth team, you didn't need to tell us we were shit, basically. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you put it on paper. Was he didn't, just yeah, he didn't need to commit it to black and white. <laughs> we, I'd hate remember, to see our, X, our XG. <laughs> I, I remember once we played Brockworth. All right, chill out. We, we only won 5-0 and our coach made us run laps around the pitch afterwards. <laughs> I obviously wasn't playing that game. <laughs> um, Villa-Everton, um, 
bad look for Rafa. <laughs> I, I don't know how he comes out of that looking good, but when you sub off your striker for a centre mid and then you lose 3-0, you're never going to come off it in a good light. Every so often, Rafa's going to Rafa, right? He's going to yeah. do these things. You've just got to accept that some of these games are going to bypass you. Leon Bailey did what we've been waiting for Leon Bailey to do. I mean, it feels like we've been in the season for a while. Well, that was the fifth game of the season. Um, but he kind of did his uh, allow me to introduce myself moment, didn't he? Came on, scored one, set up one, got subbed off. Not a bad home debut. Yeah, certainly looks the uh, looks the goods, doesn't he? Yeah. And then Everton. I mean, I, I referenced him before that the guy I worked with who's an Everton fan. Even after they'd won their games earlier in the season, he wasn't happy. And I was asking why, and he was saying it's. I pointed to who do they play last Monday where they scored. It was but that was Burnley, wasn't it? But they scored three in the second half. Yes. Yeah. And I said that, and he's like, well, we had a good seven minutes before 57 of the worst minutes I've ever seen before. <laughs> and that does seem to be when you look at what a lot of Everton fans are saying. The football isn't pleasant. It doesn't help. They've got Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison out, but I yeah, think it's a rough watch. They it, couldn't even they, fill their bench. They've been coached to get the best out of those two players, haven't they? Mm. That's, that's what's yeah. happened. Driving those crosses into the box and the first few games it was looking like this is exactly what they needed to kind of build their team around them but as soon as they don't have them whole game plans out the window isn't it and it just looks static and just turgid see the, uh, this is just a, a very marginally more glamorous Steve Bruce at Newcastle whereby <laughs> it, it doesn't matter what he does he is not going to win them round it isn't going to happen no. And they're waiting for the mistakes to creep in. This was the perfect one. First one, they're not happy. And those games that they won before, where they were actually fairly decent, get scrapped because they don't like him and they don't want him there. And ultimately, it's only going to end one way. Unless he wins yeah. in the league. Yeah. He ain't going to do it. It's, it's another team that's actually, I don't, I think got some good players in, but a lot of average. I remember I they picked them to narrowly escape relegation. He did. You said they were going to be in the zone for quite a long time, didn't you? Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've seen uh, last week Tony Bellew saying that uh, Alan would get in the Liverpool midfield. Because of his legs? Yeah. I don't think I've seen the bloke barely run. <laughs> yeah, Carragher's reaction was tremendous to that. Just. Oh. Um, maybe the most depressing game of the weekend then, and that was West Ham against Manchester United. Um uh, the, the top of Spitballing Pod's uh, most wanted list uh, scored the opener for United. Um, <laughs> can't set foot in Brockworth. <laughs> no, he can't. Get him on that red grind. He doesn't want any smoke. <laughs> um, the world is a is a worse place when United and Chelsea are good. Is <laughs> is, is is a scientific fact. Um, and with Chelsea being champions of Europe and United winning games. It does seem like we're in for a bad patch. Yeah, um, I mean, it was perfectly summed up by I was at my nephew's birthday party, and um, my brother-in-law essentially is a Man United fan, and I was laughing at him because Man United went one nil down. I was showing him the 
score update. And as I was showing it, him, it just ticked over and Ronaldo scoring. So, Alex, are we blaming Jack for this? Because that yeah, seems very jinxing to me. That's, yeah, that is yeah. asking for it. We we are just, back at that territory where we dare not. It's it's kind of Voldemort esque. Don't say Man United during a Man United game. They go one the down because it's going to happen. Don't do it. I almost resent them going down because it then feels worse when they win. Yes, agreed. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's like taking the lead in the North London derby. Like now, I know what we could lose. Yeah. <laughs> I went to the, obviously, I didn't watch this game live, yeah. obviously watch it back because I was at the Long Levens Gloucester game. And even when I heard that West Ham were 1-0 up, I was like, I don't need to hear about the rest of this game because I know how this goes. And obviously, it, I didn't know the uh, the details of how this would go. But I still knew they're going to do this. That's and because it's West Ham. Poor West Ham. Yeah. Like, if it can go wrong for him, it will. If it can <laughs> go right for United, it will. When Watford took your unbeaten run, was that was how I felt. Um just don't even tell me they're two, three goals down. Just I'll pretend it hasn't happened until I know it's over. <laughs> so, this, this this game then, so Ronaldo does seem inevitable um, at the moment, but we're reminded about why we hated the first time around in, uh, in time with <laughs> United, because as, as much as he should have had penalties, which he should have had right at the end of the game, the one on Zuma, some of his diving was just horrendous. Like the type that Salah would be like torched for. The ones where the ones where the back gets arched, you, you kind of fling up, you turn into face the referee before you're down. The Jose Mourinho like laugh it off despite being yeah. boiling with rage inside. His, his face afterwards, I do think, is the real clincher. It's just oh, really gets to your core. It's it, it's just horrible. It, it really you, isn't. You were absolutely right when you said, like, I, it's beyond my comprehension that anyone who isn't a Man United fan can like him. I, I can't get my head around that. Well, I'm, every time he scores, I'm seeing more people say, and people try to say Messi's the GOAT. I don't know what... At this stage, I don't think much can be changed apart from, like, World Cups and Champions Leagues. Like, league, league success... Ronaldo could have scored eight last uh, eight yesterday against West Ham. Like it wouldn't have changed my view there, and I don't think it would have changed many. He he's just horrible to watch, and it's going to be worse <laughs> when it's against your team. Oh God, yeah. Because I'm a, a sport bible, and I block all these pages anyway, and somehow they still pop up. I, I can hear the depression in my own voice as I say it. But <laughs> they posted one. And I don't know why those memes are still going with like the uppercase, lowercase, uppercase, lowercase. And it said, but Ronaldo's just a tapping merchant. He just scored a tapping. <laughs> he's he's, he's, he's scored he's scored exclusively tapping so far. It's just, <laughs> like they've been terrible goals. I mean, they've almost all been goalkeeping errors. I'm not wishing to sort of pick holes in a minute, but they've almost all been bounced off the keepers and going in or shouldn't have gone in. It's horrible because you know it's going to get worse as well. And occasionally they'll give you like this young boys game and it's like, but they'll have the last laugh. You know they will eventually. And it's just going to make it worse because it, 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 it's, it's like last season. If I say to Jack, we beat you at Stamford Bridge and he says, well, we won the Champions League. Like, what can I say? Like, when I say you lost to young boys and they're like, 
but you're in the relegation zone. What can I say? <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. just it's just going to be torturous. We, we need some kind of sign from above that they can't keep getting away with this. I shouldn't still be hearing Fergie's name. Still. <laughs> Still, I'm hearing Fergie's name. It all, you are right. I mean, if you said Ronaldo's inevitable, that whole club feels inevitable. Honestly, I could we could win the league for the next five years, and I'd be adamant they'll win it for twenty years afterwards. I just, like you said, there's just always a feeling that ultimately they are going to end up the winners. It's slowly. We could not start like bigger haters. We could no. But when we when we were younger and probably peaked, <laughs> I would say early secondary school years. Like you did truly think you couldn't even enjoy them being behind because you knew eventually they were going to turn it brand, yeah, and absolutely. it would be worse when that did happen. With they like they, some... they, they always used to say that when you those like closing those last five ten minutes in a match where you were ahead against them by like one goal or it was nil net or it was a draw, it was like one of the hardest hardest things you could go through. It's like they've they've not won anything now for over four years. And that season where Chelsea finished 12th, when they win the league the next season, you look back at that and was like, I didn't enjoy that enough. So <laughs> I, I really should have savoured that while it was happening. And I feel like we're about to look back and think we probably should have enjoyed these shit times of United more than we did. Yeah, I feel like we've enjoyed them. Not enough, Alex, because... We haven't enjoyed them to to match the pain when they're doing well. I've said mm. this is why this the only hope with this year is we're getting a spectacular build up for a spectacular fall. That's the only hope <laughs> we've got here is that we can build it up, build it up, build it up, and then they crash. Oli is our only real hope at this stage. Actually, we have to hope they keep him at the wheel, and he somehow plows this into I don't know a lamppost. What what's it like being a fan of this team, Alex? Because I can't get my head around it. <laughs> oh, I'm confused. Excuse me. We moved on to the Tottenham subject now. I think we both know, but we will. We'll, no, we we'll still have know. a bit more That's on this game. The wrong Jones. Um, so Sancho doesn't start this game. Uh, Pogba starts on uh, the wing in midfield. He chooses uh, McTominay and Fred in the middle of the park. It's not a good look for Sancho. I've seen a lot of posts moving, the United fans that were getting their jokes off about Pepe. Not quite going the same for Sancho. Is it just, he's going to take some time here? Because he shouldn't be getting benched for these guys he's being benched for. I mean, on paper, you think, United used to play with wing play quite a lot, didn't they? In counter-attacking, so you'd think that it's perfect for him, but this season, they seem to be playing with the ball a little bit more. And their midfield's so slow at moving it around, he's not getting the same space that you would expect him to get. As well, he was, he was, he, he was signed. He was signed. And then you've got a guy coming in, in Ronaldo, who is a big signing that changes potentially the direction that they were going to go. Like the limelight's not on Sancho anymore at all. As much yeah. as it as much as it was, so I think it's it's it sounds silly to say, but he's being overshadowed on the pitch. In terms of you look, if you're on the pitch, you look for Ronaldo. You look for Sancho. If you're you know looking to make something happen, so you look for Ronaldo. You don't look for for Sancho. If you're looking to make something happen, I just 
like what you were saying with the slower build-up in the middle of the park, I think that suits Ronaldo better um, because mm. he's, he isn't the he isn't the, he hasn't got the he is fast, but he hasn't got the consistent speed in his legs that he did when he was previously in the Premier League when we used to saw him running up and down the wings. So now seeing Ronaldo in the middle of the park, seeing things connecting a bit through the middle instead of stretching the pe- stretching um, stretching the back line with Sancho making a run down the wing, you just don't it's just not going to see that as much. So you just, like Jack's right, they're not playing to his style or what he's been used to in the last few years. So, but it is ridiculous that he's on the bench because you, it's people forgetting. Well, I think it's well, it's the amount of money that is spent on him, and it's been a long transfer coming, and you're benching him. I just yes. you've got to make that work. You've got to T- make it work. TK, if if you're Ollie, is this a case where you should be playing him until it clicks? Yeah, I mean, there's the argument for it, but as long as they keep winning games, I suppose it, it really doesn't doesn't matter, does it? You go with what your best team no. is. Um, but you don't want another repeat of Martial. You you've got to play. Well, he started <laughs> very well, so it'd be the other way around. Yeah. I, I, yeah. You are right, though. The, the, the inconsistency, isn't it? You could see it probably being where he has a good game and then has two bad ones or whatever. He could go that same that same fashion. The worst, the worst look is Pogba. As I said. The fact that he has to play him on the wing because he doesn't feel he can trust him in the middle of the park when you've got McTominay and Fred there. It's just a horrible look. Yeah, so it's, it's a horrible look for him having to be shifted wide and then a horrible look that a midfielder shifted wide is getting Sancho out of the team. Yeah. Not, not great all round. Well, look, I've, no. I've been on record with my thoughts on Sancho, so this isn't yep. this isn't surprising. Um, it's, speaking of being on a record, I mean, England's Euro penalty shootout is as publicised as anything in this country um, in in the last couple of years. David Moyes clearly wasn't paying attention. You get a last minute <laughs> penalty against United. You've got De Gea in goal, a guy who, I mean. His penalty saving record is a disgrace. <laughs> you bring Mark Noble on to take it. Did did anyone think this was going to go well? Because from the moment he was running on the pitch, it didn't feel good. I mean, you yeah. said United can't keep getting away with this. That would have been my reaction to this. They can't keep getting away with it as he's coming on. They asked Moyes about his thoughts and he said, well, and they said, so... Yeah, he got West carried away. Missed their last four. Let's be and honest, Moisey, you got carried away. He said, "I got, I saw Mark Noble's penalty record, and I'd have kicked myself if we missed and I had him on the bench." Now we know why Moyes doesn't use that final sub. Been waiting for this moment. <laughs> Ninety-minute <laughs> penalty to bring Mark Noble on. <laughs> There's got to be other guys you can trust there. You've got Yarmolenko there. He takes them for his country. Um, I saw a lot of people suggesting Declan Rice uh, take it. Um, Jared Bowen there. It's fucking David De Gea. You trust Dog Bonner? I I don't know why No Noble hasn't gone down the middle. A Panenka really start that out. But like I, I did, t- I've gone back myself because I tweeted before it. He's going to go down the middle, and De Gea is going to stay in the middle. But looking at it now, I think De Gea had to dive. That late in the game, it's a bad look if you stay down the middle. It's like a coward's move, doesn't it? Yeah. I think Noble has to go down the middle and you hit it hard enough that when you hit it tamely, not in the corner, that height, there's no defending it. It's oh, it's just bad all round, isn't it? Because obviously they, 
they've put him on. The fact that he's obviously would have gone, yeah, yeah, I fancy it. It's, I don't know, maybe cooler head should have prevailed. And the sort of the romance of, I'm sure for the fans as to have Mark Noble nicking the penalty at the last minute is yeah. a great story. But as a coaching staff, whatever, you've kind of got to be the sensible one and go, maybe we should just go for whoever we've got on the pitch. Here. Yeah. I don't think it's as quite, I said this about the England one in the, in the summer, it was slightly different until I said at the time, England's option was somewhat limited. Whereas this West Ham team, I thought you had people on there who could have taken the pen in a, in a game. I do think it's been overplayed a little bit in terms of this whole thing of when well, he hasn't touched the ball yet or whatever. I, in an ideal circumstance, he obviously has been on the pitch. and has, I can see the argument for putting Noble on. I don't think it's like a totally ridiculous thing as it's been made out. Because if he scores, we're not having this conversation. I think I it's worse because why, of what's happened recently. I just don't know why you put the pressure on yourselves and on him by doing it. It, it felt unnecessary to me. Yeah. Um, last game of the weekend, then, we had... By the way, Chel- the, yeah. the penalty is within that game, by the way. And I know there's yeah. a lot of focus on the Ronaldo ones. The one that doesn't get given, it gets given as a free kick instead, with uh, Wan-Bissaka. Oh, outrageous. One of yeah. the worst, maybe the worst decision I've ever seen in that I can't even make an argument for what he's no. doing. Like, no. I have no idea what the ref is thinking. So, so bad. Like, inexplicably bad. Well, they tried making the case that it was for an offside, which it definitely wasn't. because Nowhere. No, no chance for an offside or anything. Absolutely mental. And we don't get an explanation about it. So, <laughs> Yeah, United fans, at the point when um, it looked like it was going to be a draw, and they were kind of doing this, uh, we're so hard done by people say we get all the decisions. One or two not going your way in comparison, they don't have a leg to stand on. No, I, I thought Ronaldo could have had two of them, but I didn't think they were like stone walls like Ollie did. I thought he could have gone one way or the other. I think he was looking for the pens in both instances, but maybe yeah. probably got enough contact that he could make the argument that he even if he is looking for it he's ultimately he probably maybe got the pen but when you've got one that is like genuinely the most obvious penalty I've ever seen with the with the Wan-Bissaka one yeah. it takes some fucking nerve to be making out like you're the hard done by ones yeah. but yeah. United are well and truly back in every sense <laughs> um, on to the last game of the weekend then uh, Spurs nil Chelsea three um Spurs nil, Chelsea three. What we all came for. Just to, uh, <laughs> just, to just to repeat that. Um, first things first. I've seen a lot of praise for a good first half from Spurs. It was a good ten minutes, if we're being completely honest, and then thirty-five minutes not conceding. Oh. We should have had a penalty. Game could have been different. Jack, yeah, thoughts? I like. I like this. Oh. When? <laughs> What do you mean when? Which which part? He's still thinking of the Man United game, isn't he? When it? Son was through <laughs> one and Fernando Alonso pulled him back on the shoulder. Marcos Alonso. One's a lot better driving than the other. <laughs> <laughs> I did say to Alex when... I don't know how that wasn't pulled up. I don't know how he's got away. I don't know how that wasn't pulled back at all. It was so blatant. Do you think that cost you the game? It would have been a different game if we'd went got, went one nil up. I do admire this approach. Kane might have been up for it. Kane might have been up for it if we would have won one nil up. 
problem is, Kane would have been able to take the penalty because he'd have been in his own half. <laughs> we might have subbed somebody off off the bench, taking a sub, sub somebody off off the bench. We might have taken a leap out of Moyes, but Kane takes a run up from thirty five yards to the bench just because he feels more comf- feels more comfortable from there. It would have killed more time in the game. I mean, yeah, I think like I looked at it and the first twenty minutes, I would say, well, I thought, shit, this is embarrassing. How how this is going to happen, isn't it? It's really going to happen. And then last season, this is embarrassing. <laughs> like the idea that Spurs are competitive. Oh fucking hell, like, this is embarrassing. <laughs> well, no, I meant I meant more so that all the hype around us at, at the moment, and then we turn up and get paid off the park. And I thought, shit, mm, we've been mm. we've been we've been kind of sussed out here, where they stuck the front three on our back three. And we really don't have an out ball here. We didn't have any control of the game. It was just kind of, we're at the mercy of Tottenham, which was the embarrassing part. And we thought, oh dear, this, this, and in seasons gone by before Tuchel coming in and probably under Frank, we concede one or two in the games away from us before we've even got our foot on the ball and started playing ourselves. Um, where after the 25th minute, it kind of turned a little bit and it was a bit more even. And then I guess Tuchel showed us exactly what we kind of spoke about last week, Luke, where teams, if they are going to suss out one way we play, he's showing that we've got another way of, of yeah. doing it, which is harder to keep up with, which is he came out, didn't expect Mount to come off Kante and thought, oh shit, well, have we gone defensive here? And it turned out, no, it just meant we flooded the midfield and allowed us to, our back three to have more time on the ball again, which is what we needed, which... We play basically three, three. Well, how many is left? I don't know. Well, but, it was bold not to play Kante. I think he's coming back from injury. He's supposed to be back in the Champions League game on Tuesday, and he didn't make it to make the cut. And I guess he was thinking what he doesn't want to do is start him and like use him if you need him, kind of thing. And we did need him at that point. And he changed the game when he came on, mainly down to the tactics, but his energy and winning the ball back and harrying and just all-round play, really kind of joined the midfield two or three into the the final the final three, final four. So it was just a really good tactical display from us to weather that storm in the first half and then know that what we need to do to put it right and come out and absolutely just dominate the second half. Well, once Chelsea started playing, it, it was literally like a training match. Like The, the one that springs to mind is, is Kovacic essentially turning down a goal because he wants his mate in Lukaku <laughs> yeah. to bag. <laughs> like, the, the, the disrespect that was on show, I mean, Roy Keane was as incensed as he's been for quite some time, particularly with Harry Kane. Uh, Mika Richards was making it worse whether he was trying to or not when he's saying... <laughs> Look, they had a good first half, and he's. Oh, I don't. Why is that a thing? Like, it's a, it's a 90-minute game. Why is you having a good 20 minutes? Something that we're supposed to pay attention to. Well, when he went, basically how Kane and Dominic Stinky was like, yeah, but if he was playing for Chelsea, it's like, well, that's quite a big issue. Yeah. Yeah. That's quite significant. Yeah. <laughs> Alex, do do you, do you think Kane's just not trying? I think he's. I think a bum. He's a bum. No, no. I think he's. 
Well, if you're gonna give if you're gonna give Saka the summer fatigue, wow. uh, summer fatigue wow. thing, then uh, you can give Kane a bit. But oh um, my god! But uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So Saka should have some more energy. <laughs> Kane's looked like he's been in the mud for the last year. Um, the um, no, no, seriously though, I think Kane is going to be one of those players this season for us that when the momentum's in our favour, he'll ride with it and he'll perform oh, with it. Good. When it's when it's not with us, I just don't, I just don't see him getting it, getting grabbing the name by the scruff of the neck. Certainly not with the not certainly with his position in in, in on the match in the match at the moment. I don't see how he is capable of grabbing the game by the scruff of the neck. And I thought the heat map between uh, touch wise between Lukaku and Kane was very very telling. I understand that he's been good at coming from deeper in previous seasons, but in this current system where which is not. Just nobody's creating any room out wide that then creates like puts pressure on the wings and then creates space in the middle. I just don't. I just it's just going nowhere. Um, yeah, he doesn't and, want to be there, does he? he doesn't want to be there. <clears throat> well, you know, I, the thing is, if he's carrying that attitude and it's shown on the pitch, that's that's really not good for him. In Lots of ways, after particularly after the statement that he made um, after basically the it was dead in the water uh, that transfer. But I just don't leave you masterclass. If I was to criticise the the main where the performance went wrong was ultimately again similar against Palace, too narrow, too compact, not putting pressure on the wings for Chelsea at all, like against Palace. Um, I don't think we've got the creativity through the middle um, to warrant playing so tight, uh, like you know that that clinical pass that can break up, break through all of a sudden. I just don't see where that's coming from. Uh, when when you're bringing on Oliver Skip to change the game and they're bringing on Kante, yeah, yeah, it's not great. Um, that yeah, there's levels there, but also as well. I, I don't know where Ndombele comes from to make the starting lineup. <laughs> well, he's the most talented player, so I don't think you have much of a choice, to be honest. I can see the most talented player, but obviously he doesn't want to be there. So, <laughs> you well, know, if that's the case, so you wouldn't have a striker. No, no, that's a bit different because Kane Kane came out and said that he's you know he's all for playing for us this season, <laughs> uh, regardless of Come what on. said it, and Ndombele. Made it obvious that he doesn't want to be there full stop. So. But also, the, more importantly, the manager has basically said he doesn't want Ndombele there, which is kind yeah. of crucial. He's basically brought him in from the corner. Right, go on, play against Chelsea then, sir. Yeah, I, I, I refresh. <laughs> so he saw Harry Winks last weekend. In, in fairness to, to Nuno, he, he couldn't have picked a much more attacking lineup to go against Chelsea. Mm. You think he's got, in the starting lineup, he's managed to get Kane, Son, the Celso, and Ndombele, and Ali all in there. You've essentially got Hoiberg as the only one anchoring that. The rest all want to get forward. I don't yeah. even necessarily work, but he's he's gone with attacking intent. And I think Jack touched on it. Probably caught Chelsea on, uh, by surprise, I think, in that first we, half. We need to talk about that Lacelso clearance from in the Chelsea box. <laughs> I don't... 
I don't know what he was trying to do. <laughs> but the ball is on the edge of the six-yard box. He's got a bit of an angle. And the ball goes backwards. <laughs> I do think from their point of view as well, considering you know, there's two ways of looking at this game. One, Chelsea, when they pull away in the second half, do it at a totally different level to Spurs. And I think the, the depressive thing for Spurs is going to be, not it's not that long ago, I would have put these teams as fairly level pegging. And now Chelsea, obviously, so far ahead of them. <laughs> hold, the, hold on a second. Hold on. You seen the money Chelsea has spent, for Christ's sake. What, what do you mean level pegging? Alex, we so, did a topic, we did a topic yeah. last season as to who would win the league first, Chelsea or Spurs. And you said Spurs. I did certainly did not. That's... You, Jack was saying that there was levels between you, and you were arguing. I yeah. Hold on, hold on. No, that's definitely not right because I turned around to hit. I specifically remember saying that that after all the money that he spent going into last season, that it's ridiculous that you can't see themselves as title contenders. And I was never saying Spurs were title contenders last season. So I was on the top four camp. So you said they were title contenders three weeks don't, ago. Don't, don't be, don't be just, you know, don't devalue our listeners by just saying fake quotes that never happened. Devalue happen. our listeners. Try to yeah. it up. TK, you're like, hearing this. You're questioning, uh, well, some of us have got actual sport to play as well. Now he's oh, taking so shots now, at the host. Nice. So now, he's, nice. now he's now he's sending three of us because three of us managed to make it here each. TK, when he's how many triathlons are you on a Monday night? <laughs> how many when he's preaching straight when he's preaching straight lies, he doesn't leave you much choice. Fake news. How many triathlons have you done on a Monday night this year? None. But I'll tell you what I am doing on a Monday Case night. Closed. It's raining most days, so you know. And working as well. Working. <laughs> Like all of us aren't working. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, my original point was within a couple within the last couple of years, Chelsea and Spurs would have been at one point two teams that match up fairly well, would have been fairly close. Alex is obviously right to point out the investment Chelsea have had. I'm not disputing that. I'm just saying it's a little depressing from Spurs point of view when you say they pulled away. Um look at that stadium miles away from them. But um on the at the same time, the goals Tottenham do concede. Are so poor, some of the ones that are so poor that, and a bit of bad luck, obviously, with the deflected one. But Spurs have got to be thinking you've got to give yourselves half a chance against this team that, that is obviously better than you, but you can't throw in some of the ones they've thrown in. Loris, Loris kept quite a lot out as well, yeah. He, again, he had, a, he had a good game, and you still end up losing 3 0. That's a sign of uh, what happened there. Chelsea actively chose not to score more goals. <laughs> oh God, God! Arsenal win. Arsenal, they, they Arsenal win. One nil game. I'm not even talking about Arsenal. Alex, that game yesterday. When I'm just doing what you do. I'm game, just doing what you do. I'm just, I'm just deflecting. I'm just deflect. I'm just, you know, we need, we talk about. <laughs> we, took, we took our licks. We took our licks against Chelsea. You do. We bring up Arsenal. We took our licks against Chelsea. I mean, how did it? Chelsea. How did you fare against? How did you feel? Have you beat a top side this season? Chelsea actually did put the handbrake up against Arsenal as well. They did say that uh, we had enough here, lads. We were, we'll go easy. <laughs> I think what they saw was uh, Arsenal gave them a bit of a shock when Rob Holden nearly scored from a corner. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, fighting the life out of them. And then they brought Kante on to tighten the game up. Jack still has nightmares about that. Yeah. I mean, the top side, Burnley, we beat, by the way. <laughs> 
Well, it's, it's two games in two as well where Chelsea have had a, a first half where they've basically not really been able to control the game and a, a two-call tactical tweak has, has basically won them the game. Ugh. He's, uh, he's certainly earning his coin. Although I did see someone put out bringing on Kante maybe isn't that much genius. You think it's probably a, it's pretty handy option <laughs> to have bring on a good Kante is a, maybe a, a fairly simple procedure. Something that does need mentioning, Jack yesterday was confused that other people could dislike Azpilicueta. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> What's wrong? I don't, I don't get this. Come on. Are you serious? <laughs> he, is, he is very dislikable. Is he? Yeah, that face. You were right about Kante, obviously, but Azpilicueta. I never knew. I mean... I, I a real piss find... boiler. I would fate I would find Mason Mountain hard to hate as a rival fan, surely. You're joking. That performance in the Euros final. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else I can kind of make a case for, to be fair. We love Timo. We're the Timo fans here. <laughs> what we've got here is a mother who's like talking about their two kids. Yeah. Two yeah. Kids. <laughs> these, these kids at school, your kids at school are a bunch of dickheads. Jack's reaction, <laughs> Jack's reaction to Jasper quite the one is a parents' evening where he can't believe you're such a nice kid at home. And then stuff gets to school is a nightmare. This is exactly that. How, do you, how did you feel about Lukaku being unselfish yesterday, Jack? I'd, I'd rather him just take it on. By the end of the game, he was—I thought he was going to knock someone out. He was getting so yeah, I was going to say he was getting so angry. <laughs> For just everyone else's health and well-being, I wish he'd just been a bit more greedy. Like Mount, but that opportunity—the one where they, we broke—he yeah. passed it back to Mount. He was not expecting that ball back. He was so shocked. He was just kind of like swung a leg at it. Um, He's learned not to pass to Timo again. Yeah, I guess that's what it is. I mean, Timo came on, and it was just exactly the same as last year, where he got himself into a great opportunity with his pace, and then just literally the most feeble finish against Larissa's legs. Yeah. I think, at, realistically, Timo is probably going to be Lukaku's best partner if he can try and find his shooting boots, because to knock it down to someone with that pace, or to play off Lukaku and have yeah. him running in behind would be brilliant, because... What's interesting as well is that we're, we're winning these games and we haven't really left second gear yet. Like, Havertz isn't firing. Mount is rusty from, I don't know, no preseason and just lacking a bit in the legs department. And then we haven't got Pulisic. Ziyech is coming back from an injury. And we go in and play away at Spurs and our defensive midfielder and two centre-backs get our goals in a 3-0 win. So, when everything else starts to click a little bit up top, I think we should go up to another level on top of what we've been performing at so far, especially from the first half performance we saw yesterday. TK, who wins the North London derby this weekend? Oh, Jesus. Who's gaffs it at? Arsenal. I'm there. Uh, no, it's, it's a draw and an absolute stinker. Stinker? You don't get many stinkers in a North London derby. You don't, and these two bastard managers are going to find a way to do it. <laughs> Bell, <laughs> you get chinned on TV. <laughs> Lovely. Jack, who wins on Sunday? I think Arsenal. 2 3 0 defeats first Spurs, and then Arsenal with two back to back wins. Back in Arsenal. Alex, who wins? Arsenal 2 0. 
Coward. Nasty piece of work. <laughs> <laughs> He's going hard on the jinxes this week. I know that. <laughs> I'm I'm quietly confident. <laughs> yeah. I knew he was. I knew he would. Is this is this the reverse? The reverse? The third? The third tier jinx? I can't keep up with the. I'm telling you, we get the ball at Emerson Royale. Toast. Absolutely <laughs> going toast. At him? Who's going at him? Uh, not Aubameyang, surely. It'll be Saka or Pepe. I'm not sure which it'll be. Um, I I prefer Saka on the right, Pepe on the left. But I think it'll be a four. But Lacazette does love a game against Spurs. I don't think he starts. I think it's a one-goal game, uh, one-goal uh, margin of uh, victory. But I think one-one with us whole one-one, uh, we nick it a goal about the seventieth minute, and then have a very horrible twenty. Just a shame Alex doesn't have any uh, cojones. Harry Kane scores absolutely. Yeah, I was about to say there's no clean sheet. He will score. We know this. But then he is up against Ramsdale. <laughs> unstoppable force and unmovable objects yeah very tough one um, won't be a pleasant coach journey home due to the fact that the National Express uh, bent me over I won't be home until quarter past 12 if I'm still on that coach and we've lost the game like I've said I'll be waiting for Arteta in the car park <laughs> <laughs> doing the Jose <laughs> so look here you I've got a knuckle sandwich with your name on it. <laughs> knuckle sandwich. <laughs> and a National Express ticket in the other. Exactly. You can, reimbur- you can reimburse me for it, at the very least, please. Exactly. Um, big weekend. We've still got uh, me and Tiki to talk about the uh, boxing. Chelsea City also on uh, um, oh, Saturday lunchtime. Huge. It's a big game. I'll ask That's huge. a couple of questions here relating to both games. Um, TK, if you were making a uh, Arsenal and Spurs combined eleven, would, they, would there be more Arsenal players and more Spurs players in it? Jeez, how are you going to spring that on me? Just off the top of your head, um, there's going to be more Spurs. Right now, it's not off the top of your head. Explain yourself. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Um, you're going to have Kane and Son uh, for sure. You dare say Larice? Yeah, you're gonna have Larice. You're gonna have. Wow, Lourice. you're joking! Cheats <laughs> in three games. Oh wow, wow! I'll, I'll be honest. Alex, it, Alex, it probably is. You've just been smoked three 0 It is probably <laughs> gonna be six five. I'm not saying there's a lot in this, but uh, I, I do think Spurs have got some good individuals. They just they've just got a lot of holes. Whereas Arsenal have got fewer good individuals and. Bigger holes. Do any Spurs players get in the back line? Uh, that's a good question. To be fair, I do. I do quite like uh, Romero. I think he will be good. So I think there's a toss-up between him and Ben White. Um, Gabriel probably gets the other slot. I think Gabriel captains the side. You've got Maybe. Ramsdale in goal. <laughs> Tierney, <laughs> Tommy Asu, Ben White. Gabriel. Gabriel. You can have Maitland Niles in there if you want to go with five in the back. Party's in there. Oh my in, word. Oh my word. Which Spurs midfielders which Spurs midfielders in there with a party? Hart Hoyberg for starters. Oh my god. Alex, 
Hoiberg hasn't played for Christ's sake. You two, you two are arguing about two people that are going to be in the 11. So I don't really see what you're arguing about. Hoiberg's not in my 11. Well, who is then instead? If you say Xhaka. Xhaka or Laconga. Fuck. Oh, my word. Just end the topic here. He's being yeah. so, honestly, he's so I'm, bad. I'm not. I'm I'm told you I've, told you, I've told you my thoughts on Hoybier. He is literally, he is, yeah, he and is, they're deluded. He's and they're absolutely deluded. He's Torreira's early months at Arsenal oh, without the crowning moments. Oh, haven't you got like a film question to ask, for Christ's sake? Yeah, we've got that to come still. Um, you could even play oh, Odegaard yes. in the middle there next to uh, Party if you want to, like you've done the last <laughs> couple of games. You can't, you're just going to name an Arsenal. <laughs> no, oh, son, son, oh, we, son's in. Arsenal yeah, plus son. <laughs> uh, Sun's in, Kane's in, um, Aubameyang's nowhere near there these days. So Kane, 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 and Son are in. Um, we've got Party and uh, Odegaard in the in the middle. So Smith Rowe in the ten, um, and Saka on the right. So we've got two Spurs players in there. Uh, you're full of shit, honestly. It's amazing what beating two lower table sides. <laughs> I, I admire it. I admire that I could get a bit more bullish. The, the, the thing is, though, when these players are being suggested, I genuinely don't know who's being displaced in there. Larice, Larice <laughs> hasn't looked convincing. A grip, honestly. Larice <laughs> hasn't been convincing. I genuinely don't know how your brain thinks. What is like. the... Uh... you got desperate. You've oh, really curious. got desperate. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's very good at convincing himself. What, what I'm curious to know what the second question was here. If this was the, the first one. Oh, the, the, it was going to be the same question, but for Chelsea City. Now that is hard. Oh. Read it out. I don't think it looks as nice on paper for Chelsea, but at the same time, I know mm. I, I I fancy Chelsea to quite comprehensively win the league this season. So yeah, you're asking us to beat City for the fourth time in a row, which is uh, yeah, you are right because I'm, I'm probably uh, City might have some better individuals, but I do fancy Chelsea are a better team than them this year. Are you having in goal, TK? Taking Edison in goal still. Yeah. Yeah, I Um, think I'm still probably having Carl Walker at right back. Diaz plus maybe Thiago Silva for Chelsea. I think he's he's probably better than Stones and the Port doesn't play as much. Uh, Benjamin Mendy at left back or or Alonso (laughs) at left back. That's a nice choice. Blimey. (laughs) Who's your midfield? midfield? De Bruyne and Kante. That that midfield is is sickening. That is sickening. That's disgusting. Yeah, and then obviously you're gonna have Lukaku is gonna be your guy up top. Who's gonna go either side? Uh, Grealish. You want to get Havertz in as well? I feel. I would probably have it six five City again on this. I think. And the thing is, it's hard to argue with that because I think individually, probably have the better players. But it does. It does feel as the most basic, uh, a very basic argument. It feels like they're really well matched, but Chelsea have that striker now. And so yeah. you just think there's so much that goals from Lukaku, you know, even any tough times you have, those goals can sort of cover it, right? I just don't know who's getting City out of trouble. Jack texts me saying he agrees with my Arsenal Spurs team. So oh. <laughs> thank you. Absolutely thank you, Jack. He's actually said you've been too conservative. <laughs> you can just too much credit. Um, all right, so the, the movie madness question we do have for this week is uh, the raid two up against uncut gems. Have you seen the raid films, Alex? I haven't, I'm afraid. 
he gets more disgraceful by the minute. <laughs> I don't think we can have him on I've, next week, no, honestly. No, every time, every time, uh, every time you've brought up like that, I need to watch the rain because you've you said it to me all the once. I've gone to look at it on some of the streaming sites, and I've, I've struggled to find it. I, I really have. Jack, he's got he's got my two disc DVD at his house. I still have. Has it. he? Yeah. Hopefully, it didn't get lost in the move. Yeah, no, I pinch that. I pinch that. But genuinely, yeah. it's not one. That dro- it's not one that drops onto Netflix, Amazon, Sky. It was the second one. Strangely, was on Netflix. Um, but some of the best fight scenes ever. If you're watching a foreign film, do you watch it subtitled or dubbed? Uh, subtitled, I think. Yeah, subtitled. Oh, you're not as bad as half of it. The problem is, is that I've been watching dark with subtitles, and that's. A- like a German series, and it was just a lot of subtitles. So I thought, fuck it, I'll just put it on dub to late at night. And yeah, the film lost a lot of its, uh, <laughs> a lot of its magic. <laughs> Ends up being a comedy. You're just laughing at them. It sounds ridiculous. Like what I don't get is they dubbed it over the screams. So when they're like fighting, <laughs> grunting, stuff that they could have just left in with the original audio. Like it was just like ah, like where it just didn't fit. At all. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that gets me the most with the raid is that it's a Welsh director. Really? Yeah, that is mind blowing. Yeah, I think we'll probably have to uh, say goodbye to our uh, two comedians, um, and then we'll get into uh, the uh, <laughs> boxing coverage. Actually, to be fair, three comedians. I would add uh, after TK's last comments there. Right. Larissa the Ramsdale. <laughs> For God's sake. Adios then, boys. Okay, Adios. Oh, may the best, may the best team win uh, Sunday, Alex, um, unless it's Spurs, and then I will be on here like a sore loser. <laughs> nice. Oh, dear. Cheers. Bye. Boy, lost a bit of pizzazz not having that in person, I tell you. It's been a good point. Right. I've enjoyed it. So, we've got Several big fights this weekend. Um, mm. Up first, the one that we're going to have to pay 20 quid for. Um, Joshua. Oh, you're joking me. I, I think Jesus it's 24 I think that's outrageous. I think it is. Yeah. Uh, um, Anthony Joshua against uh, Alexander Usyk. Are you picking Usyk here? Are you going out on a limb? Right. So just before we get, what we say about the pay-per-view price? When, uh, Whenever Hearn gets asked about AJ potentially joining the zone, you should see him squirm because he's going like, uh, the beauty of the zone is we don't have to have these pay-per-view shows anymore. We can put these cards on. We don't need pay-per-view. And so someone say to him, so if, I, if Joshua signs for you, that won't be pay-per-view then. And he just sort of has like a slightly blank expression <laughs> on his face. Like, oh, well, we'll see what happens with that. Like, okay, Eddie. All right. I'm um, not even letting you buy it yet on the Virgin Media, so I can't even tell you what the price is yet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I think there's a reason for that. Um, I, I'm not picking Usyk, but I do, I do think this is a points job. Though I do think it goes the distance, so Same. I'm not, I'm not ruling anything out. Yet. But uh, I mean, to get into it, I don't want to put a damper on people. And uh, sorry to Sky, in case I'm putting anyone off spending twenty five pounds of their money here. I think you could get not exactly the same. But an, another AJ Parker. Oh, not even AJ yeah. Ruiz, AJ Parker. Yes, yes, I think you could get an AJ Parker. That wouldn't be pleasant. Um, no, 
No, not for that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Twenty four ninety five is the is the price. Yeah. <laughs> Oof. Give these guys an inch. How the hell do you justify that? I mean, the card is not, you know, as well. It, normally he can sort of hide behind it a little bit, but it's Akoli having a mandatory and, and Callum Smith jumping up to light heavy for the first time against a contender is not. Uh, no, especially if cause... especially if Akoli comes out and does what Akoli can do. Because we've been to cards before that have been pay per view, and it's almost made it slightly better because we paid about like twenty quid more and yeah, been there exactly. rather than. But this, this is, oh. um, yeah. When when Campbell Hatton's one of your kind of headline slots Shameless on the pay per view. I mean, it, it is testament to the fact how much I do like Usyk that I'll do it because if this was. Pretty much anyone else, obviously the Fury fight, pretty much any other heavyweight contender, I'd probably consider not actually even watching. I didn't watch Chisora Parker, and now they're doing a rematch. <laughs> Nobody asked for the first one. What? Who is asking for the second? Chisora. <laughs> um, is there a part of you coming into this where you would be disappointed if Joshua lost because of the Fury fight? Yeah, that, that's exactly it. Actually, the, the um, I'm very conflicted on this because obviously I've, I think we both like Usyk, like most yeah. people do. Um, and we probably like seeing cause a stir at heavyweight. Uh, but the obviously the another Joshua loss is very difficult for the Fury fight and gives the Fury stands yeah. even more ammo, which is is painful enough anyway. But then it'll be you know I, because it, we're probably assuming he'll beat Wilder again if that fight does happen. Um, and then it's all oh, well, your guy lost. That's why the fight didn't get made, rather than the fact that it seemed like he probably was game for the fight and the Fury side couldn't get it done. Well, well it was, they obviously had the well, That's another situation. 20 quid just a fortnight later, by the way. Yeah, that's a, I mean, it has to be, but that's a tough, tough sell. Yeah. Those two fights, it's tough to justify that one. Wilder has been sparring it, with Hellenius. Yeah, I mean, it's, training with Malik. <laughs> Training with Malik Scott is not helping his cause in my mind. People keep saying it's a good thing. All right, if you say so. Yeah. Is is there any part of you that when you close your eyes and picture the fight, can see AJ coming and blasting him out early? See, I, this this crossed my mind a few weeks ago that I thought I saw someone saying AJ has to survive an early onslaught, and I was thinking, in theory, that makes sense. When was the last time we saw Joshua really do that? Um, if he went on no. a seek and destroy mission I think he, he could do it to Usyk but we we just haven't seen him do it for a while have we I don't know I've spoken to you before about uh, sort of an online theory that he hasn't been the same since the Klitschko fight and I know you particularly said you kind of buy into that yeah and I wasn't I, I wasn't entirely sure myself um, I don't think maybe the this fight would have helped <laughs> yeah 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 you're right the, the um, maybe this would be the litmus test for that because if he is a little uh, gunshy, is maybe an over over the top term. But if he is a little cautious, maybe we'll see it again against Usyk. Because if if anybody in his division, he he should feel that he could deal with that power. It should be Usyk, shouldn't it? Yeah, I think it's going to be quite a tactical picky fight that will maybe give us a moment where we're like, okay, and then I think it'll quieten back down when probably both realise it's within their best interest not to go that route. 
Um, yeah, I think you're probably right. That's kind of why linked was this the AJ Parker thing as well, where there was obviously two decent boxers without either being sort of like outstandingly boxing the other. And then in that case, the bigger guy who was a little bit more aggressive kind of got the win. And that's kind of how I see this in my mind, that just the sheer size of AJ causes some issues for Usyk, as well as having obviously some skill, because you're not going to beat it just by being big. You've got to have, a, you know, a, the combination of the both. I think he's probably just got enough to be too much for Usyk, I think, unfortunately. Despite, despite being bigger, there's a chance he gets knackered out if he's clinching a lot with Usyk trying to fight in close. I mean, potentially, but I I don't see that. I mean, if Usyk is absolutely at his best and on it, he can kind of do what he did with Bellew, where his foot was so good and he had to basically concentrate and put so much mental energy into being on it that by seven or eight, he was obviously done. But obviously, Joshua has certain physical advantages that means it's going to yeah. be much harder for Usyk to do that again. Uh, and he does, it's been looked into more than any heavyweight I can remember, but AJ sort of frame and looking leaner and stuff, people yeah. concentrating on it massively. But he is clearly, I think, of the mindset that this could be a, could be a distance fight and has adjusted accordingly. I find that fascinating, by the way, though. The idea that it had never occurred to him that maybe I should trim down a bit prior yeah. to getting smashed <laughs> up by Ruiz. I can't, can't get my head around. When, when we've seen, obviously, the Klitschko fight was sort of life and death, but the white fight as well, they started looking knackered. He thought, why would this have never occurred to you before? If, you know, I kind of assumed his physique was what it was for a reason. If you thought you could take a little bit off, I don't know why he didn't prior to, it's at losing to Ruiz to sort of force that. Strange. No. Um, and I mean, later in the night, we have UFC 266. Um, You've got an AJ good. decision as well then, just to Yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. AJ decision. Fair enough. Uh, Dan Hooker was granted his visa today. So, That's crazy. I saw that yeah. earlier. He took a uh, pressure from fans online pressuring the uh, American representative in uh, the uh, That's phenomenal. embassy. Okay. Get in. Yeah, so he, he flies out Thursday, I believe. That's um, Well, I think that was the last flight, so maybe he can get an earlier one. Um, to face uh, Nazra Hakprast, which is uh, a great fight, but That'll be an interesting one um, for us. You've got Marlon Moraes against uh, Morab Tualashvili. Um, Jessica Andrade against Cynthia Calvillo to open the main card. Curtis Blades against uh, Jardino Rosenstrike, which could... This main card has big potential to when you want to go to sleep, particularly for me being up to get on the coach the next day. I don't <laughs> think it's going to grant you that. Um you have um, Nick Diaz against Robbie Lawler 209 months after their <laughs> first fight. That's crazy. They rematch. Uh, I don't know if anyone's asked you for a prediction on this. Um, hard to go with the guy that's been out that long over a guy that, despite not winning, has actually been active, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. I guess to sort of play devil's advocate, we've actively watched the decline of Robbie Lawler, I guess. Yeah. So we... We've been seeing when, that with Nick Diaz. <laughs> yeah, you're right. But there is a certain unknown quality to what Diaz yeah. is at this stage, isn't there? Where we kind of know with Lawler. So he, as much as he has the safer bet, if Nick does have anything left in the tank, 
this becomes a little bit more interesting. Five rounds as well. I do like that they did that. That is, that is great. Um, Valentina Shevchenko against Lauren Murphy. Absolutely <laughs> not the one when you, you're trying to have a good night sweep there. Um, uh, another one along the line of, I get if someone is winning, then you have to put them in the fight with Shevchenko, but it's much like seeing uh, Amanda Nunes fight. It's like we're picking how they're going to win rather than whether they're going to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The only time Valentina wins early is when I've backed the overs. Literally, that's the only time she ever she ever wins early. Well, look, you know what you've got to do then. <laughs> you're going to have a shorter night. You know what you've got to do. And then finally, who are you picking in Alexander Volkanovsky against Brian Ortega? Uh, I'm going to roll with Volkanovski. I think he's he's a tough man to bet against at the minute. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I think Holloway beat him in that second one, but even so, he's made it uh, what was a difficult fight into a very arguable, which could go one with the yeah. other. Um, I don't know that Ortega is going to have the ability to change that. Obviously, you know, he's always a chance that he could he could end up checking you out. It's, it's a pretty uh, decent talent to have. I think Volk's striking looked great against Korean Zombie last time out. Yeah, it's true. People were in the immediate aftermath very it's one of the best performances I've seen in the Octagon. Yeah. yeah, I think I don't think people probably thought he had that in the move, did they? Um, no. So it, it'd be interesting if that was just the Korean Zombie was just perfect for him, which is possible, or whether you know we, we're seeing a sort of not a rebirth of Brian Ortega, but another level of it. I'm picking Ortega to win. Yeah? Is that because you want him to win? I think Rory may have charmed me, but um, it's it's the classic one where you've got the striker against Grappler and then you've got Grappler against Submission Artist. Um, Yeah. And there's few better to do that than Brian Ortega. I do think the way Volkanovski goes for his takedowns, I don't think he's going to put himself in a position like that. His conditioning is insane. I'm kind of talking myself out of it as I say it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess I just I've picked against Volk almost every other time. I feel like at some point I'm going to get it right. Yeah, I, I, it just feel it just feels right for Ortega. I think, um, but I like Ortega. I don't dislike Volkanovski, so I'm not looking at it like I really strongly. <laughs> I struggle to warn the Volkanovski, but I think that is because I was rooting for Holloway. Yeah, having to see yeah. his face celebrate wins was kind of rough to take. Something about an Aussie as well. If you have a little flip down his Instagram or something, like he's a very likable guy. Um, Volk. He, yeah, he's very funny. Yeah, as I, well. I can't imagine. In fairness, so I'm I'm going to say Ortega KO, but not a sub, okay. a KO. Okay. See your money where your mouth is at. I will do, but um, there's not much of it. Um, as I said, my, uh, my, the, the less I bet, the better, I think. But I think that does just about do us. I mean, we'll have more chance to speak about the results next week. Um, and, well, I mean, there's a lot more to get into next week. It, it could be a good one or a bad one. But um, thank you again for listening to another edition of the Spitballing Pod. We will be back Friday with uh, Movie Madness. Next week, we should have an episode of 3MP, I think, if all goes to plan. So plenty to look forward to. We'll be back. Goodbye.